Thanks for listening to our New Chapel podcast. We're for people to connect with God and be raised to new life in Christ. Be sure to connect with us at newchapel.com and on social media to stay up to date on everything happening here at New Chapel. Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, my name is Joe. If we haven't had the chance to meet, I'm the pastor here at New Chapel. Uh, second part of our series that we're calling Holiday Survival Guide. If you have anything to take notes with, pull that out. Uh, last week, we opened up the series talking about how to deal with holiday stress, to deal with stressful people. Uh, my personal favorite is to avoid them. And uh, so if you missed if you missed that message, newchapel.com slash watch, and you can trek with everything that we're doing there. Sign up for the podcast, which I guess is very in vogue around here at New Chapel. So uh, you can trek with all of that. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about loneliness. All of us experience different seasons where there's an aloneness in our life. Some people have more of a propensity to feel alone. Maybe they're the animaniac in the family, or on the other end, maybe you're a little melancholy. But all of us, no matter what our background is, if you're a person, you experience loneliness. And I think that it's amplified this time of year. Uh, I heard some uh, a study that was done, and it, it basically conveyed this, that in the last two months of the year, November and December, so Thanksgiving, Christmas time, the suicide rate is double what the total of the previous 10 months was. And so whatever that was... It's not only that, but double, and it happens in the last two months of the year. Well, why? Because the holidays bring out a lot of feelings, for sure, and it amplifies a lot of problems, for sure. But one of the things people deal with is loneliness. Well, the good news is that the Bible has answers for these issues that we face. If you have your Bibles, open with me to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Uh, before I read for you, I want to share with you a deep, profound quote. Uh, you're going to want to have this on your Facebook cover. You're going to want to tweet this. This is Twitter-worthy. Go ahead and throw that up there, guys. It is that loneliness makes you feel all alone. I might come out with a new book called Deep Thoughts on that one. Um, of course, loneliness makes you feel all alone, but here's what I mean by that. That when you feel alone, the enemy goes, uh-huh, but he makes you feel like you're the only one that's going through it. The enemy of your soul wants to say that you're the only one that are fa that's facing a crisis or some hurt in your life. He likes to isolate you and have you feel like you are some sort of mutant in this world. But the Bible says this in 1 Corinthians 10. The Bible says that no temptation has overtaken you except such as, say it with me, as is, it's common to man. In other words, this is garden variety. The issue that you're facing, the enemy wants you to think that you're the only one that's ever faced this, that you're the only one that's tempted in this way. You're a total weirdo, but the reality is you're actually facing things that are pretty common, even common in the room. So uh, time out, pause. This is an all play. I want everybody to participate. In the past 12 months, have you ever had a feeling of loneliness? Could have been five minutes, could have been five days or, or a month long. Uh, you're in church, you have to be honest. Lift your hand, have you felt lonely in the past 12 months? Yeah, look at all the honest people. Those of you with your hands down, you're dishonest. So gotta make sure that we're all clear about that. And so uh, yes, of course, because you're human. It doesn't matter if you're independent or if you're the stoic figure. I mean, everybody has these feelings of loneliness. I have 150 kids, everybody, but, but I've got to tell you, there's moments, there's moments like if any of them leave the room, we're like, ah, oh, just that loneliness thing comes in. And so you might have come in here and, and you're battling loneliness and you came in, you saw everybody and they're hugging each other and high five and you're thinking, man, these, these people have their friends. They have their relationships here. I'm coming, I don't know anybody, I'm alone. 
but you just looked around the room and you saw that everybody's just like you. Everybody has faced this thing before or will face it again. And when you saw hands in the air, you could look around and see a lot of people you could make friends with. You hear what I'm saying, everybody? One of the number one things the enemy wants to do is make you think you're the only one to pull you apart. But the Bible says this in 1 Corinthians 10. Scripture says that, yes, no temptation has overtaken you except such as common to man, but God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. When you encounter crisis or temptation or an issue or this feeling of loneliness, God has a way to get out of that junk. The enemy wants the temptation to break you, but God will actually use it as an opportunity for you to break through all of that. That's the heart of your God. Say amen, somebody. Amen. The enemy wants us to feel imprisoned by it, that we can put walls all around us, but the reality is God has so much more for you. I, I heard a story. Uh, this lady was, was kind of unsettled with her emotions, and busy lady, got a big family, and, and felt like, I, I need to take this to a counselor. I don't, I don't know what's happening in my heart. So she went to this counseling appointment, and the counselor, this wise counselor, listened to everything she had to say, and he identified, I said, I, I think this might be a parenting thing. She says, it resonates. I feel like it might be, but I don't know where it is. And so the, the wise counselor asked this question. He said, well, just tell me, which, which kid do you love the most? And the mom's, mom's like, what are you talking about? I love all of my kids equally. And, and there's, there's none of them that I, that I like or, or love any more or less. I mean, what, what are you talking about? He said, listen, I, I just want you to stop lying. You know, which one, which one of them do you love the most? And she actually started to cry. That question cut her at her heart. And she, she began to, to like sob. And she said, well, let me just tell you. I lost one of my kids in the grocery store one time. I couldn't find him. And, and at that moment, that kid, I love that kid the most. And when I see my kid have to face rejection at school, I'm telling you, as a mom, that makes something well up in my heart, and that's the kid that I love the most. And, and when I see my kids that are they're a little bit older and they're going through pain in life, and it's pain that I can't take away, she said, that, that pain, that kid, that's the one that, that, that I love the most at that time. You know, and it makes me think about God. Listen, God doesn't love you more than anybody else. He has no favorites. There's no favorites in the kingdom. But let me just tell you, the Bible says this in Psalm 34, 18, that the Lord is near to the brokenhearted. Mom and Dad, you know you don't love any one of your kids more than the other, but some of them you, you focus on in a season. Some of them are, are, are just losing their way a little bit, and they require more of your heart, more of attention. It's not that you don't love the other ones. It's that this one needs your focus right now. And so if you came in here and you're hurting, if you came in here and you feel isolated, maybe you came in here and you didn't come with anybody. You feel totally alone. I am all over your feet right now because you'd say, I am lonely. Let me just tell you, God is close. God is closer than the air you breathe. He's never left you. He will never forsake you. And God has a plan for you. God's love is here for you with whatever you're going through. Can I hear an amen from a church that, yeah, praise God. Now, I want to take us to the book of 2 Timothy, if you would, 2 Timothy chapter 4. We're going to camp out here really for the remainder of our time. This really has uh, insight into the, the mind and heart of the great apostle Paul. Paul wrote most of your New Testament, two-thirds of it, of course, inspired by the Spirit of God, but he wrote it. He had a very close relationship with God. He planted multitudes of churches. And now, as we read, this is actually Paul's last 
chapter that he's ever going to write. He is in prison. Kai and I, when we were preaching in Rome and in Sicily, we saw this area. It's in the Roman form. Throw that slide up there, guys. It's actually that building to the far left beyond all the columns. And that's actually a church now, but it is the Mamertine prison. It is the prison that the Apostle Paul was was put in by the Emperor Nero, who was an absolute maniac. He was put into the base of it, and the original structure is there, and they built a church on top of it, which I love. But you can go down into that uh, different uh, dungeons and doldrums, and when you get to the base, it's where they believe that the Apostle Paul was. They believe that all of the sewage from Caesar's palace went into that area, and he was likely up to his chest in human waste. And this is where he is writing this letter, and he's writing it to his protege, Timothy. In this chapter, we're going to see that there are some causes for loneliness and some solutions. I'm going to give you four of each. But before we read, I want to give you the the meat and potatoes, the real real walk-away point for this message, and that is that you might experience feelings of loneliness, but for Christians, we're never truly alone that God is with us, that God is present in our lives. Here we go, 2 Timothy chapter 4. Paul is writing this in verse 6. He says, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. Paul, ever the uh, uh, positive person, uh, is, is, your, is your glass half full or half empty? Paul, Paul, reply, empty, completely. You know, I mean, Paul is at a low point. He, he's, he's at a lower spot. And he's just done. He's through it all, uh, with it all. I would ask you, have you ever been there? Just been done. I'm, I'm through with it. I'm burnt. I'm toast. I can't take another step with all of this. Sometimes we do that when we just work ourselves to death and we're just exhausted physically. But, but there's emptiness that comes from crisis and hurt and loneliness. Some people feel it so strongly. They're just done. They can't get out of bed. It feels like you can't breathe. Have you ever been there? The Apostle Paul is conveying... I'm there. I'm toast. I've been knocked down. But notice, and I'm so encouraged by this, Paul faced awful things. Paul was shipwrecked. And I'm not saying that in an allegorical way. Like He was, he was actually shipwrecked. He was abused. He was, he was beaten constantly, beaten by circumstances, but literally beaten with rods. He was given 39 lashes, different things. Three times he was given that. By the way, 40 lashes was a death sentence. He was in a spot where he was stoned, left for dead. He was imprisoned. And yet he's conveying, I've been knocked around, but I'm not knocked out. He says, I am being poured out, but I'm not emptied. Don't hear what he's not saying. He's not saying, I'm through with it all. He's saying, I've poured out my life in this way. I've willingly allowed my life to be poured out for the benefit of other people. Wow. Now, we might be knocked around by circumstances and the feelings, feelings of loneliness, crisis. Yet, yet is you alone? who has the final vote on whether or not you will be emptied out or knocked down completely. You get a vote in it. Hardship, loneliness, it knocks at everybody's door, but you get a vote in whether or not it will ultimately take you out. You have to be a person that determines, hey, me plus God, that right there, that's a majority. And so I might feel alone in this moment, but I'm going to center myself on him. Say amen, somebody. 
We all have moments that are draining. This is true. But I've taught myself through the word of God to make those hard circumstances, those lonely seasons. I, I've prayed to God in those moments. God, take it and make it a Romans 8.28. You know what that is? God works all things together for good to those that look. God, turn it around. I trust you. Though I might be emptied, now I have room for you to fill me up. Amen, somebody? That's the heart of God. So, so here we go. Four things that cause loneliness. Number one, transitions. I believe transitions create feelings of loneliness. Paul continues to write. He says that the time of my departure is at hand. Transition. Life, I have learned, is nonstop transition. Uh, Brian and Naya, Pastor Brian and Naya Capiello, they just had their baby a couple weeks ago, little Harvey, and she's so cute. Outside of her parents, she told me I'm her favorite to hold her. And, uh, but, you know, she came out, that's a big day. <laughs> that's a transition that's in her life. And then think back to when you were, you know, learning to walk, climbing all over the place or going to school, preschool and then school, transition, transition. And then you go through school, eventually you graduate, unless you're from Pastor Joe's hometown, everybody. But, but you graduate, there's a transition. And, and then you might go to college or, or get a job, there's transition. And you get into the career, right? And, and that's transition. You, you get married. Whoa, transition, you know? And then you have kids. Whoa, transition. You know, there goes all of your freedom and liberty and decision-making. And, and so uh, then, then you're, like, engaged, and these kids and grandkids come along, and eventually retirement, transition, transition. And eventually you get to the spot where the Apostle Paul was, where he's realizing, hey, the next transition, I'm going out of this world. Moments of transition, if you really think about it, are when we are most susceptible, most vulnerable to feelings of loneliness. It's when you're most exploited to all of that. If you think back, the moment that you had a new job or changed houses or, or sent your kids to a different school or maybe changed churches at one, uh, at one point or, or somebody transitioned out of your life, those were the moments of transition where loneliness began to knock at the door of your heart. And it's normal. But if we recognize that transition is one of the triggers of loneliness, it actually helps us to be prepared. And here's the good news that I have for you. Nothing but more transition awaits you. <laughs> There's a lot more coming, okay? And, and, and uh, in fact, in Ecclesiastes, Solomon wrote about it. He said, there's a time to be born, time to die. There's a time to laugh, time to cry, plant, reap. He's saying life is nonstop transition. But if you can mentally wrap your mind around that and know that, that yes, transition is going to happen, but I don't have to feel lonely. I don't have to fall prey to the vulnerabilities. I'm not going to be sideswiped or blindsided by it. You can make the decision that in transitions, though it might be a trigger for loneliness, I can make the decision to center in on God. I can prepare for that. Second thing that causes uh, this feeling of loneliness, especially during the holidays, I think that it's separation. Separation can create feelings of loneliness. Listen to Paul. These are, these are really indicators that he's going through symptoms of loneliness. Be diligent to come to me quickly. Stop messing around. <laughs> I know how you guys are. Get to me. For Demas has forsaken me, that guy, having loved the present world, and he's departed for Thessalonica. The Cretans left for Galatia. Titus, he went for 101 Dalmatia. And then... <laughs> Only Luke is with me. Like, I like Luke, but he's a doctor. Not a great conversationalist. Only Luke's with me. He says, get Mark. Go get Mark and bring him with you, for he's useful to me for ministry. And Ty, well, I sent that guy off to Ephesus. What do you read here? 
you read that there's separation and there's all kinds of different reasons for it. There's good reasons. Paul is hearing from God and saying, hey, you have a call on your life. I need to send you over here. The work can't stop just because I stopped. you got to keep going. So there's good transition. And then there's painful separation that's happening where you've got these guys that are, that are turning their back on them, Christians and, and non-Christians alike. Very interesting. He says, get Mark and bring him with you. If you read your Bible earlier, you'll read about how uh, Paul had this protege named Mark, and he was a little bit green. He was wet behind the uh, ears. He was a little bit worldly. And I guess he just bugged Paul, and, and Paul said, get out of here. Go back home. Go back to your hometown. And so you see Paul now in a season of loneliness, and he's like, you know what? I can deal with it now. <laughs> I've got nothing else to do. Go get me Mark. I'll, I'll endure. He's got potential. I always said he had potential, you know. And so, so Paul is doing this, and there's this urgency. Why? There's no FaceTime. There's no Facebook. Hosanna. <laughs> But there's no cell phone. It's like whoever's in front of you, that's who you got. And it's Luke, and they ran out of things to talk about. I mean, you only get beat at checkers so many times. And so he's, he's in this spot where he's feeling it come quickly. I'm in this dark dungeon. There's pain in separation. Loneliness can hurt. What's the lie of the enemy? That something's wrong with you. That if you were more spiritual, that you wouldn't feel this way. If you actually went to group regularly, or if, you, uh, if you're uh, a more engaged person, or if you evangelized more, prayed more, that you wouldn't feel this way. And here's what the enemy does. It's so sick, but you have to see it. I want you to see this. He adds insult to injury. He's both going to bring these feelings of solitude and aloneness into your life, and then make you feel like some cretin, like some defect, because you feel it. And when you start feeling these emotions, Emotions are great indicators. They're poor leaders, but they're great indicators. When you start feeling that case begin to really stack against you, you know that the devil is overplaying his hand. And so you need to see that and realize that I'm not a defect because of it. You need to know this. Feelings of loneliness in and of themselves are not a sin. They can lead to sin if you don't manage them. That's what I'm trying to help you today. But in and of themselves, they are not a sin. That feeling is not wrong. Turn to the person next to you and say, you're not as bad as you think you are. <laughs> Third thing, write it down. <laughs> you're not as messed up as you said. <laughs> Opposition. Write this down. Opposition can create feelings of loneliness. Paul keeps on writing. He says, Alexander the coppersmith. Here, here's what I read. Newman. Newman did me much harm. May God smite him dead. Oh, just kidding. May the Lord repay him according to his works. You also must be aware of him because he's greatly resisted our words. I don't think we have to think for very long or hard to think of the Alexander the coppersmiths of our life, right? In fact, you might not call them uh, Newman or Alexander. In fact, there's probably names you call them you can't say at church, but you have people in your life that have opposed you, that hurt you, that rejected you. And Paul had the same thing. He had this person and people that opposed him. Paul, in the middle of having legitimate friends that were against him, he's facing people who are outsiders that are just trolling him, resisting his words. In other words, everything that Paul says, this guy is undermining, saying, well, that's not actually true. It actually doesn't work that way. Actually, actually, actually. And he's undermining all of that. Well, the good news is this, that Jesus said that this great promise to his followers, he said, hey, if they rejected me, they're going to reject you. 
but, but rejoice greatly for your reward because of it. So when people oppose you and reject you, you have to realize that it's something that's a great part of your Christian legacy. They will do that. In fact, if you're doing it right, I think you're going to face opposition. The opposition isn't a sign that you should stop, that maybe God's trying. No, it might be the sign that you're right in the right place at the right time doing the right thing. And I say, when the enemy knocks, knock back. Can I hear an amen, church? You know, when I first rededicated my life to Christ, I was 17, and I had some friends, and I think that they were friends, but I think in the world, it's only so close that you can get with people, you know, and I had these friends, and I would act so wild around them, and, and we were crazy together, it, it was for sure, but when I accepted Christ, I knew that I had to make a change there, and I went to my friends, and I would invite them along, like, why don't you come to my church, come to this thing, and if they would blow me off enough, I just, I had to make the hard decision they weren't good for me. I had to make a decision to go away. Now, this is where the enemy gets some of you. You have a soul tie to some of those people. Some of them are great friends, maybe an old romantic relationship, and you have this tie to them, and you're growing in Christ, and you're getting more and more free, and you're looking back at them, and you're like, but man, I know them really well, and I could help them along the journey. That's deception. Let me tell you, it typically does not happen that way. You are not God. You need to free yourself of being God for that person. In fact, God, in most cases, needs you to leave that relationship and press on because they'll pull you back. you gotta, you got to press away from that. It doesn't mean you don't pray for them. You need to pray for them, but watch for your soul tie. You pray for them, pray for other godly people like came into your life, goes into their life. Because you're not Jesus, they can have their own relationship with someone else, and they can find God the same way that you did. And so what you need to do is realize that, that you got to give up some relationships, and I realize that. So I begin to walk away from so many different relationships. Well, I received my call from God. I was going to go to Kendo College. My dad went there and taught there, and my grandpa taught there. I thought, I'm going to go be a designer like everybody else. And, and God had this call to preach. And so I packed everything up. I went down to uh, Rama Bible Training College in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I ate Rama noodles for most of the time that I was there. And uh, I remember just being alone. I gained some friends when I was there, but even my friends let me down. They ended up fooling around with each other, and I was just like, I'm done. And so I had this higher standard, but it cost me a lot of the fun I could have been having with everybody else. They'd be having these uh, different get-togethers and things like that, and there's nothing wrong with a, with a wholesome party. I just I felt like I couldn't do it because the standards were lower than what I had. That probably sounds crazy to you, but this is how I felt. And when I was in that time alone, I remember I was working on my Dell laptop, Dude, you're getting a Dell, and I'm, I'm on that thing. And I was writing out the vision that God was putting in my heart for a church that we'd eventually call New Chapel. I remember I was praying for my future spouse. I remember praying for my future church. I prayed for you before we ever knew each other. And, and God used that time, but it was in those moments I was able to see Jesus in a way that I could have never saw him in the crowd. You need church, this is true, but you need moments alone with yourself and, and alone with your God. It'd be like if there was a big event that happened and, and everybody kind of crowds around. You know, it's difficult to even get a glimpse of, of, of whatever event would have been happening. It's the same way. It's awesome to come in here and you're going to get revelation from God, but there's something about your spiritual walk, your spiritual life that you're not going to understand until you get alone with your God. Because when you're alone face-to-face -face with Jesus, that's when he is clearest to you. Next thing, uh, the fourth thing that really causes us to, to spring into loneliness is rejection. 
Write that down. Rejection. Rejection create feelings of loneliness. And Paul continues. He says, at my first defense, so he went to a, a court trial in front of uh, Nero. At my first defense, no one stood with me, but all forsook me. He's talking right now not about unbelievers or Newman, as it were. He's talking about Christians. He's talking about the church. Paul was there to serve them. He literally just said that I poured myself out for these people. He went to other churches and he heard about some of the opposition and persecution that Roman church was facing and he took up offering. He came with money for them. He did all of these things and yet when he was hurting, they rejected Paul. And that makes sense with sinners. We understand sinners rejecting Paul, but this is the church. These are the church people. These are Christians and, and they're doing something else while he's at his defense, while he's in front of Nero, the most powerful man. There's nobody there to say a good word about Paul. And still... As I study this out, I'm encouraged by this. Let me tell you why. I have felt abandoned and taken advantage of by Christians before. My mother is a drug addict and an alcoholic. I suffered uh, unspeakable abuse when I was a kid. But the worst abuse I ever faced in my life was from my church. So some of you that have church hurt, listen to me. I understand. I totally understand. But I also have to say this. Church hurt is going to be a very poor excuse on the day of judgment. And so people will let you down. People will abandon you. And, 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 and here's the thought that would come into my mind when I was being taken advantage of. If I was a better person, if I was doing more, if I could, if I could get more approval here, then, then what would happen is they would see and they would understand and they wouldn't, they wouldn't do this to me or I wouldn't be taken advantage of or I wouldn't be spoken about in that way if I was just better. Hey, question. Can you get much better than Paul? And yet Paul was facing this type of opposition from the church of all people. And if believers can let Paul down, if the church, if Christians can let Paul down, Christians will let you down as well. Bank on it. How many of you in the room, you meet everyone's need perfectly? Like you perfectly, all their social needs, their finance, you're perfect at it. Just lift your hands, you're perfect. Absolute perfection. Yeah. It would also be phrased this way. Lift your hand if you're a liar, you know. <laughs> How many of you have let people down? Didn't even mean to and let people down. Have fit? Yeah all of us. That happens in families. Families that mean well can lit each other down, and the church is a family. It's no different. We are flawed, imperfect people, and I, I, I can guarantee you, here's the guarantee, you stick around church, any church, this church or another, long enough, and it will let you down. It might be because you came across somebody, and they are awful. They have no business being in leadership or that spot. Or it might just be because it was, it was something, it was an oversight. It had nothing to do with you, but it did hurt you altogether. And the church let Paul down. But there's a difference in between the church letting you down and Jesus letting you down. And all the abuse and all of the carnage I had to face at the hand of spiritual abusers. While others were complicit, I never turned my back on the church because I never turned my back on Jesus. Jesus never turned his back on me. Jesus never let me down. And so the church is made up of people. Buckle up, buttercup. We're going to let you down. I'm an imperfect pastor. I know y'all think I'm perfect, that I walk on water. It's hard to shower because I glaze across the tiles. But I'm an imperfect person. You're like, Pastor Joe, I found a flaw here at New Chapel. Nobody's a bigger critic of New Chapel than me. But let me just tell you, in all of that, God is doing his perfect work. Jesus will never let you down. But here's what Paul does. Paul doesn't get mad or 
bitter about it. Well, I just don't believe in this church thing. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. It doesn't exist. I'm, I'm, we're over all of it. He doesn't do that. He doesn't, get, he doesn't get bitter. He gets better. And it's the exact way that we find resolve in our heart. Four things. Number one, write it down. How do we get out of this thing? We need to use the time when we're alone. We need to leverage it. Use it. Paul isn't feeling sorry for himself in a pity party. He redeems the time, does something valuable with that time. Here's what it says, 2 Timothy 4, now verse 13. Bring the cloak that I left with Carpus. What is he doing there? Bring the cloak. He wants to get out. He wants future. He wants to bank on the promise of God, but he's going to make his dwelling even in the midst of a place that's unresolved. Bring the cloak that I left and the books, but especially the parchments. Paul says, I want the books. Those are the books of the Bible that he already finished. He wrote. They've been copied. But then he says, bring me the parchments. He wants the manuscript. What is he saying? I want to finish that book of Ephesians. I think it's going to be a bestseller. I really think it's going to do the thing. Hey, bring me the part. I got some, I've got purpose that is not yet worked out. What is Paul doing here? He's making plans. Write this down. Profound point of the day. In lonely seasons, write this down. Make plans for a day that it will be better than the one you're experiencing. Don't dwell on everything awful that you're currently living in. Start to make plans for what God has for you in the future. I'm going to write again. You're in prison. Prisoners don't write. Watch this trick. It's going to be the bestseller of all ages. Go get me my cloak. I'm going to make my inhabitation right here. I'm going to make comfort in the middle of an uncomfortable. I'm making peace with this. It's not that loneliness is your future. You're making plans for a future day, but you are not letting that day that you're in define you. You're bigger than the day that you're in. God has more for you than what you're resigned to. And so Paul utilizes the time to read and to grow and to write. Ask yourself, what could you do right now that you wouldn't easily be able to do if you're surrounded by a bunch of people? When I was off at Bible college, I was single. I was in the best shape of my life. <laughs> and I wanted a girlfriend. I'm going to be honest. I, was, I had a little bit of a chip on my shoulder with God. Like, God, where is she? <laughs> you know? And I was like, God, I want her to be exceedingly, abundantly, above all I could ever ask. You know, I'm, I'm believing that she'd be beautiful. You know, hourglass. Jesus, blah, 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 blah. You know, like, I'm just. <laughs> and God started ministering my heart. She's like, okay, when she finds you, is she going to look at you and think that you're exceedingly, abundantly, above all she could ever ask? Or is she going to be like, oh, God, what sin do I have in my life where I have angered your spirit? <laughs> And so I begin to use the time that I was alone and stop stewing about being alone and begin to work on me. I began to qualify myself for my wife, and I ran after Jesus with vigor. Thank God I was able to look over while I was running after my God. I looked over, and there was Erechia Harvey, who I fell in love with. God answered my prayer, but I became a person who was at least good enough to ask her on a date. I'm still kind of qualifying myself, everybody, but I became somebody who could Take the next step. I leverage the moment of loneliness for gain, and that's what Paul did. Next thing, write it down. Uh, not only did he not feel sorry for himself, he didn't emphasize the hurt. He didn't have a little pity party about what was, but he also didn't add more onto it. And this, and she said that he didn't do that. He says, no one stood with me, but all forsook me. And then he says, may it not be charged against them. These words that Paul said, don't they kind of uh, reference something else? You're like, I feel like I heard. Those are the words of Jesus on the cross. In so many words, what did Jesus say? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. 
And here's what I found from years of counseling people, years of working through the ministry of people, and, and that is this. Most of the time, they didn't mean it. Most of the time, if they would have known what grief this would have caused you, how it would hurt you, they would never have done it. Most of the time, it was an oversight. And even if it wasn't, you don't know quite for sure. And so you have to be a person who doesn't, doesn't emphasize the hurt. You need to say, God, I don't know what they did completely, but here's what I know. I trust you. And they don't know what they're doing. God, forgive them. Don't hold it against them. God, even if they do, even if they did know what they were doing and the damage that they were causing, God, forgive them because they don't owe me anything more than I owed you. I owed a debt I couldn't pay, and you gave me Jesus. God, help me through this. Forgive me as I go into this. God, I refuse to build a prison of walls in my heart because I was done wrong. Some of you were done dirty, done wrong, left with kids. Let me just tell you something. You can't hold that against that person for the rest of your life. You will source your happiness and joy out of hurt, and you'll be miserable. That's a very poor place to source happiness. You need to move past all that, minimize them, forgive them, and move on with your life. Amen, somebody? Old preacher said it this way, play it down and pray it up. Play it down. Don't make a big deal out of it and pray it up to God. God, heal my heart. Third thing, how do we work through loneliness? You, you lean into God's presence. You lean into him. What does it say? Paul says, the Lord stood with me. And he strengthened me. The Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me. Paul is dealing with people issues and feelings, and he's just an emotional, like, like spaghetti plate. And, and we've all been there, but yet how does he align himself? He gets in, in front of the presence of the Lord. The Lord is good, the, but the Lord strengthened me. He will deliver me. When everyone had abandoned Paul, the Lord was still there, and he saw that God was still there. Did you know that all of the books that Paul wrote, these two-thirds of the New Testament, most of them were written in that prison cell? Makes me think about Adam in the Garden of Eden, back first part of your Bible. And Adam sinned against God, and him and Eve are trying to cover themselves up. I'm sure it looked ridiculous. It's like when Frank tries to hide the fact that he sinned. Did you steal a cookie? There's like sprinkles. <laughs> mm, don't want you to talk about that honest. I'm sure they looked ridiculous trying to hide from God. And God goes in the normal time of the day when he would walk with Adam. He says, Adam, where are you? And I read the Bible with a sense of humor. God knows everything. He knows exactly where they are. And what is he indeed saying to Adam? I know right where you are. I know what you did. Stop hiding from me. Stop trying to get out of this. I know right where you're at. And we all have moments where we feel rejected and alone and isolated, hiding, where we feel like we are so alone. And I want you to hear the voice of your God saying, I know right where you are. Your hurt did not escape me. And in the quiet of those moments, if you lean in, you will hear the heart of God saying, I know where you are. I've never left you. I'll never forsake you. It's not over. There is a tomorrow after all of this junk. Finally, how do we work through loneliness? Number four, you need to highlight what God wants to do through you. You need to know that he's not done. He says, the Lord stood with me, strengthened me, so that the message might be preached fully through me and that all the Gentiles might hear. I want, I want God's work to be fully shown in my life. Until he's done with me, I'm not going to stop. God, I want that full picture of everything that you have. Negative circumstance that worked against Paul ultimately worked for Paul. 
You see, the loneliness that he felt, he said, bring me the parchments. What is he saying? I want the manuscripts, but there's also parchments. What is he rating? This. This, 2,000-some years later, is encouraging you and I in our loneliest moments, and it is because he said, I want it to go to the Gentiles. I want it to go past me. I want God to work fully through me. I'm not done with God because God is not done with me. And he actually reached, think of it, more people because he faced that hardship, that season of loneliness, than he ever could have if he wouldn't have faced it. And we said it. We all experienced this. We all lifted our hands in the room and said that I, Pastor Joe, I, I do. I've experienced some sort of loneliness in the past year. And I'm here to tell you that though God did not cause that, he will use all of it. He will leverage it for his goodness. And you'll have an impact and an insight and a word into someone's life that I could never have. Other people might not be able to have. But you and your hurt in the spot where the enemy tried to get you down, God will redeem that issue and use it for his goodness. Can I hear an amen at New Chapel? You know, I'm never more aware of hurting people than when I'm hurting. I'm never more aware of it. I never feel more joy than when I'm ministering the joy that God has for people. I'm never more comforted in my own life than when I'm ministering to someone else the comfort of the Holy Spirit, the great comforter. I'm never, I'm never in a spot where I feel more saved than when I minister salvation to other people. So my friend, you might be going through a lonely season, but listen to me. God wants to still do something through you. Be Jesus to someone else in this lonely world. Love on somebody else who might be going through the same thing you are. And I found this. Whatever you allow God to do through you for someone else, it's the very thing that you will receive from him. And that, my friends, is a holiday survival kit. Amen, somebody. Do you receive it? Do you receive it today? God, I pray for my church. I know, God, that, that as we come into church today, we're smiling, we're hugging in many cases, but some of us, we have our church face on, but we're feeling some of these feelings that we talked about. Some people are feeling lonely or they're feeling isolated. They're feeling like they're the only one. God, I pray that your spirit would minister to them. Help them to know of your goodness. Help them to trust that you have a plan beyond what they're experiencing. And God, in a season that can amplify all these emotions, I pray that they would trust you. They would lean on you. And that, God, they would realize that they're never alone. Fathers, I preach this message. I know that there's people in the sound of my voice who don't know you. Help me to find them in Jesus' name. Heads bowed, eyes closed just for another minute. As I preach today, this, this might have resonated with you, but if you were honest... You'd say, Pastor Joe, my life is not right with God. Whatever that means. Maybe you're far from God. You, you were in this thing. Or, or maybe you, you want to come and have a relationship with God through Jesus for the first time. But if you have that feeling that you've got to make things right with God, you need to lean into that today. The Bible says that the Spirit of God will not contend with man for long. God is dealing with you. Don't leave this place with this unresolved. You say, well, what do I do? The Bible says whoever calls on the name of the Lord be saved. When you call Jesus Lord, Jesus is God's only son, when you make him the God of your life, you have heaven when you die, you avoid a Christless hell, all of that's true, but the moment that you make him Lord of your life, you're born again. See, right now you're a sinner. You're far from God. That, that unrest that you feel, it's from a heart of stone. What God wants to do is change that heart out and make it a living, breathing heart that's connected with him. 
The peace and resolve that you're looking for, it's found in a relationship with Jesus. And if that's you in the room, I want to pray with you today. If you mean it, the Bible says you'll be saved. Church, I want you to pray this with those people who are praying it for the first time. All together, let's pray it. Pray, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross in my place so I could be forgiven. You raised Jesus from the dead. I believe it. So I confess Jesus is Lord. I surrender my life. Come into my life, God. Forgive my sin. Put your spirit in me. I receive it all by faith. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let's give it up. Come on, New Chapel, give it up for those people who accepted Christ. The Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine on you. Be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. And as you go, love you guys. You're dismissed. See you next weekend. We hope that you were encouraged and brought closer to God during this message. You can listen to any of our past messages and series either on this podcast or on newchapel.com slash watch. And be sure to connect with us on Facebook or Instagram to stay up to date on everything happening here at New Chapel.